0: Hello, this is Andy, and you're listening to Federal Andy. According to Oxford Languages, the definition of piecework and that's p i e c e piecework is work paid for according to the amount produced do you think an industry that makes billions of dollars a year and spends over 373 million dollars a year on lobbying to make sure that congress gives them what they want, do you think for one second that they're going to let a judge in one state prevent the sale of a drug that has been profitable for the pharmaceutical company? Now it might be a different story if this particular drug had a history of issues, but it's safe. It's been on the market for over 20 years, 22 years, and very, very few side effects or complications. It pretty much does what it's supposed to do. The process that it creates is not pleasant but it's not long-lasting, and it's safe. When it's over, it's over. Do you think that the company that uh, makes this drug, the, the industry that profits from this type of a business plan, is going to allow a judge to step in in this manner and prohibit basically commerce from occurring? Probably not. Because if they allow this, stand, this to stand, this one case, this one drug to be removed from the market, they know that other drugs could be on the chopping block as well. And that should be a lesson for all of us. When an entity takes something away from, let's just say, one of us or a group of us, there's another entity that's ready to take something else away down the road. It's not going to stop. Once government starts taking away our rights, once they start legislating, what we can and cannot do when it comes to things uh, that should be our own private business, things like healthcare, who you love, who you choose to marry, what your children read, what entertainment venues you can take your children to. Once they start taking that stuff away, it isn't gonna stop. And in this case, piecework for the pharmaceutical industry is a very important industry. And I don't think that they're going to allow anything to interfere with that going forward. If you're interested in details, stay tuned. Episode 146, Peacework. There's been a lot in the news lately about abortion. What's legal, where it's legal, how long you can be pregnant and still get a legal abortion. Can you cross state lines and go somewhere else into another state, for instance, to get an abortion if abortions are illegal at the particular point you're at in a pregnancy in your state? When the Supreme Court killed off Roe v. Wade last year, they created a mess, and I think that that was intentional on their part. They acted like this was a state's issue, they were going to allow the states to work it out. And immediately, states started working it out. Laws that were in effect, that had been basically put on hold during the time Roe v. Wade was the law of the land, immediately went right back into law. Other states had laws pre-written and ready to go, and especially if the state was run by Republicans, it's amazingly fast how quickly they can get legislation enacted. Some states went about it haphazardly, it appears, not realizing that the laws they were passing were going to cause unintended consequences, or are they really unintended? In some states, the laws are so confusing, doctors are afraid to provide women who need health care with the health care that they need. Something is very wrong with that. Something is very, very wrong with that. The Republicans have passed laws making absolutely no consideration whatsoever for the age Of the woman who's pregnant, if she's 10 years old, well, by gosh, she's going to be a young mom. No consideration for rape victims in some states or victims of incest. I don't understand how anybody who professes to care about people and want to be in the public sector as a public servant working for the people how can they possibly pass legislation that would force a 10 year old girl who was raped by a family member to have that baby i don't i don't understand it at all so anyway That is kind of what we've been living with since the Supreme Court stuck their big finger in the middle of everything. And now we have people that don't want to get pregnant because they're afraid if they have a problem, they can't get the medical care that they need. Women are laying on tables in emergency rooms, bleeding, and instead of getting the treatment that they need, the doctors are waiting for the hospital attorneys to tell them what they can and can't do. Really? As if health care in the United States of America wasn't already bad enough, we now have to make it even worse for women. We have a barbaric healthcare system in the United States, one that is based on money. Those who have money get the care that they need and those that don't well <laughs> they yeah they're supposed to be taken care of you show up in the emergency room they have to take care of you but uh with no insurance and chances are if you don't have insurance and don't have a doctor to go see you probably don't have a lot of money and those hospitals and those emergency room doctors still want to be paid and they come after you And uh, if you can scrape together enough money to file for bankruptcy, which isn't exactly inexpensive either. I did some research and in the last few years, uh, one person uh, told me that it cost them $1,800 to file for bankruptcy. And yeah, medical debt, medical debt. And they had insurance. So we've got the best health care money can buy in this country. But right now when it comes to abortions, it's a grab bag. And depending on where you live and at what point you find out you're pregnant and the determination of whoever is in charge of writing the laws and interpreting them as to whether or not the baby has a heartbeat or is it just a bundle of cells, is it nerves making noise, is it really a heart... (sighs) You know, I, I'm really thankful I'm not a woman because this is something I know I'll never have to deal with. But I have friends who are women, and I have a great deal of love and admiration and respect for them. And I don't want them to go through it either. So it is a problem for men because we need to look after one another. That's kind of what our country was built on. We're supposed to kind of be in this together. Uh, and of course, there's a lot of powers right now that wanted to uh, divide us. But uh, anyway, that's what we've been dealing with for the last year or so. And we get to the point where you have people who don't know anything at all about medicine or medical care or uh pharmaceuticals, chemicals, science, nor do they seem to care, but they're writing laws or they're having people write laws for them. And that's kind of an important thought, folks, when you have politicians who have outside like third parties writing their their uh legislation for them. It's a big problem. So, when is a well what is it uh an embryo is it a person at conception scientifically the definition of the embryonic stage is uh that's the first stage of pregnancy and it lasts through week 10 and there are ways that you can that you can tell based on the development in most cases how far along a woman is in her pregnancy, and then um, the fetal stage comes after the embryonic stage, which would be after week ten. So from week eleven on, and uh, that's the stage that the baby, the fetus, remains in until birth. Now, how do you find? How do you define this? The um, the Bible says that life begins at first breath. Jewish people believe that when you take in your first breath, life begins, and when you breathe your last breath, life ends. That kind of seems to make sense to me, because when a person has actually breathed their last breath, at <laughs> I think at that point they're considered dead. If you're not breathing, you are not providing oxygen to the organs that require oxygen to survive, so there may still be some stuff going on in your body after you've breathed your last breath, but is that life? Uh, I don't know. Your brain dies pretty quickly. (laughs) There's a lot of things that happen without oxygen. So we probably really need to sit down and have a discussion about it and and have them make a decision. I think most people will accept that viability is a good point. That would mean the fetus would be able to survive on its own at this point. At that point, when that happens when the fetus achieves that level of development then maybe the only exception for an abortion at that point would be if something happened to the fetus that would make it likely that it would not survive or you know if it got injured in a car accident or something like that or if the mother's health deteriorated rapidly And there was a very good chance that the mother may not survive. At that point, I suppose the family members and the doctor would have to make a decision as to whether or not you save the mom or you save the fetus or you try to save both and risk losing both. I don't know. Those are things that are very sensitive topics that ought to be worked out logically and respectfully. I don't think that there's going to be a point where virtually everybody agrees on everything. Some people are gonna have to give in on a few things here and there. But we cannot have a patchwork of laws in this country where one thing is legal in one state, but the next state over, it's not. And if you live in a state and you cannot get the medical care that you need or you want, or you have to have, <laughs> it may not just be a matter of wanting or needing it, you may really require it, but you can't cross the state line to leave your state because that's illegal. I mean, what are we doing here, folks? This is, this is barbaric. I have heard stories of women Who have been in the hospital, and the hospitals have basically said, We can't treat you, and they're bleeding. And the doctors basically say, Go home, and if you get to the point where you, you know, about to die, come back, and then maybe we can do something. You need to go home and bleed for another two days. And then at that point, you will have lost so much blood that chances are you're gonna die. So then you can come back in and maybe we can do something then after our attorneys tell us tell us it's okay. That is healthcare in America today, sponsored by the Republican Party. You know, there's a lot of things sponsored by the Republican Party. Gun violence is another thing that is sponsored by the Republican Party. And strangely enough, none of these things are actually assets to the American people. So how do we proceed? The vast majority of abortions in the United States prior to Roe v. Wade being overturned and thrown in the trash by the Supreme Court, the conservative Supreme Court, which consists of a lot of people uh, that had stolen seats, by the way, and appointed by a, well, illegitimate president, in my opinion, because there's a lot of evidence that shows Donald Trump had help from foreign governments that are not allies in the 2016 election. It wasn't the 2020 election that was rigged. It was the 2016 election that was rigged. And we didn't hear about that because it benefited Trump. Anyway, so we have this law that, uh, well it was decided by the Supreme Court back in 1973. Congress should have, after that happened, after Roe v. Wade was decided by the Supreme Court back in 73 that allowed women to have legal abortions in this country, Congress should have enacted legislation to codify that decision and made it the law of the land, but Congress never did that. As a matter of fact, there's a lot of things Congress ought to do that they don't do. We've got stupid laws on the books that date back to Civil War or before that are stupid, yet they're still on the books. Why doesn't Congress clean all that junk off that doesn't apply anymore and say, this is null and void, Bye-bye, get rid of it, so it doesn't come back to haunt people when you've got some crazy person in Congress that decides, hey, this sounds like a good idea to me. Anyway, in the almost 50 years that Roe v. Wade was actually the law of the land, Congress never could find the time to codify it. Of course, they spend half of their time fundraising for their next campaign, which is a problem. Money is the root of all evil, and money is, I believe, what is the root of most of the problems that we have in this country. So, even with Roe v. Wade enacted or in place, most of the abortions, a little over 50 percent, were chemical abortions. Now, there's variances in those numbers, but it seems like over half of the abortions that occurred, even with Roe v. Wade, were chemical abortions. And these are chemicals that you take that, uh, there's actually two pills that work together, and they force an abortion, they cause an abortion to happen. One of them is uh, mefepristone, and I'm, I'm probably not pronouncing that properly. It's M-I-F-E-P-R-I-S-T-O-N-E, mefepristone. It's made by Danco Laboratories, and it's also known as RU-486. You might remember that. That's how they referred to it early on. That's, that's how I remember it. And basically, it's a medication that is used in combination with mesoprostol to bring about a medical abortion during pregnancy and manage early miscarriages. Some abortions are done because there's something wrong with the pregnancy and i can't find the source for this but i clearly remember reading this last year that several doctors that deal with uh um difficult pregnancies and uh you know obstetricians and things like that said that a lot of women are pregnant and they don't even know it and they have an abortion through no fault of their own it just happens they don't even realize they've had an abortion. And the comment one of them made is, if you want to put you know, put your finger out and point at the entity that's responsible for the most abortions, that entity would be God. Because a lot of abortions happen, and women don't even know that they had an abortion, that they lost a baby. They didn't even know they were pregnant. So... Anyway, uh, but sometimes things happen, and it becomes necessary to remove the embryo or the fetus or whatever. Sometimes it's just something doesn't work right. Maybe the mother is injured in a car accident, or she fell or slipped or tripped or whatever, and it injured the fetus or the embryo. Sometimes during doctor's visits, they will uh, do ultrasounds or whatever and the doctor may notice that there's something not quite right. So they run tests and they can tell from the various tests that, uh, yeah, there's a problem here. The baby doesn't have a head or half of the brain is missing, it's not going to survive, there's no lungs, whatever. And you know, there's th- that happens to people that want kids a lot of times. They don't want an abortion, they want to have a kid and then they find out after getting pregnant that they've got something horribly wrong. And in some states, they're now forcing the woman to carry that fetus to term until it's born knowing full well that it's going to die immediately or it's going to be born dead or that it may live a few hours and that's that and I guess for some people maybe it's worth it to them But it seems to me, it just drags it out. I think they would be better off having an abortion and saying, kid, we're sorry, you never got a chance to live, and try again. Uh, It just seems cruel to make a woman carry around something for months, knowing there's no way that it can possibly survive. So anyway, this um, this one this one drug, this mefepristone, is um, something that they that they're going after that they want it removed from the mar- from the market, and they're going about it in a kind of sneaky way. Basically, they went judge shopping. And found a conservative judge that was put in his seat, put in put on the bench by Donald Trump, an illegitimate president. This judge is a U.S. district judge by the name of Matthew Kosmaryk. That's K-A-A-K-A-C-S, M-A-R-Y-K. And what he's done is he has said that the Food and Drug Administration's approval of this abortion drug needs to be put on hold. And he made this ruling last Friday, as you do on Fridays, and you want to release something that may not be noticed as much. You dump it on late Friday afternoon or early Friday evening when people are thinking about the weekend and they've got other things going on and they mm, might not notice. But the um, decision that this judge made was um really unprecedented and was obviously based on ideological beliefs. The language and the reasoning in his decision was very close to the same arguments put forward by the anti-abortion movement, almost as if like they mm, maybe help write it, help write the dissension, maybe I don't know, and um the problem is that that came at the expense of scientific facts, so um, the ruling was a total of sixty seven pages. And it includes the use of politicized terminology uh, regarding fetal personhood. And this is one of those things where you have to decide when does life truly begin. And that's just something that... uh, Congress and and legislators are going to have to work out and they're going to have to pass a bill. Somebody's going to have to make a decision at some point because the United States of America is not based on religious beliefs and because we are supposed to have a separation of church and state. I do not believe that anything that the Bible says necessarily should be a determining factor. Bottom line is, if you're religious and you have an objection to abortions, don't have them. Don't have it. Nobody is going to tell you that you have to have an abortion. You may have a doctor recommend it, but I don't think the doctor's going to force you unless Well, probably they're going to tell you if you don't do this, your chances of getting very sick or possibly dying are very good. And at that point, it's the patient's choice. But I don't want anybody's religious beliefs being forced on me, and I certainly don't feel that I am entitled to force my beliefs, uh, religious beliefs, on anyone else. So I don't think that the religious factor needs to be considered on this. We need to look at science and what is best for the fetus or the embryo, the mom, the dad, all of that. And if there is any point where you have to say, this is the point of no return, I would have to say viability. If the fetus cannot survive without the mother. It's not viable. I know that's not going to be a popular thought, but it's that's kind of what I feel. So there's a whole bunch of stuff in this guy's ruling that is odd. They talk about how uh, having a chemical abortion is more of an emotion, and um, that the, the term is, you know, they are trying to stoke fear about the risks of ending a pregnancy in this manner. You're going to put chemicals in your body, and you're going to force this embryo to be expelled. that's just got to be horrible, right? Has to be awful. Has to be horrible for you. Well, you know what? This drug has been on the market now for 20-something years, 22 years, and it is extremely safe. There are very, very few side effects from women taking this drug. As a matter of fact, they are more likely to have a problem taking Tylenol, just regular old over-the-counter Tylenol. Tylenol is more likely to be a problem for people than this abortion drug. Viagra, men, you guys who, you know, take the the little Viagra pills to, you know what, you're at more risk doing that than... A woman is taking this abortion drug, okay? So, we can just toss that argument, I think, right straight into the trash, unless a bunch of men, and I'm suspecting a whole bunch of them in Congress and in state legislatures that are probably out there cheating on their wives, uh, not going to mention any names, but, uh, you know, you hear about these things, (laughs) um, you're gonna to have to give up your Viagra if if this is gonna hold and they're gonna base that the reasoning on the fact that it's it's not safe. Well, we certainly can't allow Viagra and Tylenol to remain on the market, knowing that they are more dangerous, right? Of course that's logical, and these people don't practice uh operating their lives in logic land very often. They're usually in fantasy conspiracy land or in hypocrisy land or do as I do, not as I say land or do as I say, not as I do land. (sighs) Sorry about that. Anyway, um, this uh, um, mifepristone was approved by the FDA in 2000. And it was approved under what they call regulatory provision subpart H. And that allows for the accelerated approval of certain drugs that studies have shown are very safe and effective for treating serious illnesses. And the provision was used not to necessarily fast-track the drug's approval Uh, according to the Kaiser Family Foundation. But it was rather to regulate who could dispense the pills and where. And at that time, mifepristone could only be given uh, to a patient uh, under the supervision of a qualified doctor. Now it's available. You can get it, you know, sent to you in the mail. And uh, Kazmarek said that the... uh, this process, this uh, subpart eight, should not have been used in the approval of mifepristone because pregnancy is a, quote, normal physiological state most women experience one or more times, end quote. And uh, (laughs) so um, anyway... Um, according to the Alliance Defending Freedom, which represents the plaintiffs in this, uh, they said, quote, pregnancy is not an illness, and chemical abortion drugs don't provide a therapeutic benefit. The FDA never had the authority to approve these hazardous drugs. And uh that was uh that comment that's end quote, and that was Eric Baptist, who's the senior counsel for this alliance defending freedom. So if uh this is a hazardous drug, I hope that Eric Baptist is not taking Viagra. Cause boy, girl, you in danger. Quote Whoopi Goldberg. Well, Whoopi Goldberg's character in was it Ghost? I think was the name of that movie. Um. So who knows? Anyway, this this ruling was released last Friday with a notation or with a stipulation that it would not go into effect immediately. And um, it's going to, I think it was 10 days or something like that before it would go into effect, which would allow uh, the Justice Department Um, or whoever to uh, respond and it would uh, give a higher court a chance to look at it and give them a chance to intervene if they deem it necessary. The uh, Justice Department did file um, to an appeals court yesterday or on Monday, yeah, Monday to, uh, to block this. So we'll see how that works out. And at the same time, we have yet another little thing that happened. Another judge issued a conflicting ruling on the abortion pill. Yeah, so the judge in Texas uh, ruled that this is a you know dangerous drug and and should not be available to the um, the public. And at about the same time that this conservative judge in Texas released his ruling, a judge up in Washington state actually ruled in a completely different lawsuit brought by liberal states uh, that the uh, the rule said that the FDA was not to do anything that might affect the availability of mefepristone in the states that were suing in this other lawsuit. (laughs) So now we've got two judges with conflicting rulings. And we have women who are pregnant, possibly with issues with their pregnancy, thinking, oh my gosh, what happens now? Who knows for sure, but I'll tell you what I think may happen. Now, this is what I think about this whole chemical abortion pill issue. I looked up the statistics and for... Looks like uh, 2020 is the last year that they have information available, or at least that's the last I could find. Uh, Pills accounted for 54% of all U.S. abortions. So over half of all U.S. abortions are achieved by taking these pills, which are apparently historically, very safe. So we actually have scientific evidence to prove that they are not hazardous drugs. And this mefepristone, or mephipristol, mefepristone, I'm sorry, has to be taken in combination with a, another drug. Now, I looked to see uh, what this Mephepristone sold, uh, what the cost was, and I saw one source that listed $291, but it said it was for three tablets. The way that this works is you start off by taking a Mephepristone on the first day, and then within like another day or two, you're supposed to take two of the other pills it's not just pop it in your mouth and go out to the disco that night okay you can start to have issues with um um, these drugs also Uh, you can start to have uh, bleeding and things like that so um says that uh, it can take two to four weeks. Um, uh, with, you could have cramping for, for, about two to four, for about two to four weeks after you take it. The medicine will cause you to bleed. So um, it's actually an issue if you have no bleeding or little vaginal bleeding after you took the medicine. So you have to go back and see your doctor. So it's a process, and it's painful, and you're going to be uncomfortable, and it's not... Uh, it it's, it's amazing to me how so many people think, oh, you know, abortion is just... That way you can just go out and, and, you know, practice unsafe sex, be a slut, whatever. And then if you get pregnant, you just go pop these pills or go in and... Have surgery and you're back in business. And it's just not like that. But they want people to think it is. And I'm going to guess that most of the people that they're trying to convince that that's how it all works are probably men because women who have been through the procedure or women that have given birth know that that's not the way it is. So it's a process. But We've got a judge in one state who has made a ruling based on facts that are not part of science that if it's allowed to stand would affect every single state in the country. And you may wonder, how is it that a judge down in Texas can tell people in Washington or Michigan or California or wherever, you can't have access to this drug, even though it's been on the market for 22 years, even though it has an extremely good safety record, better than Tylenol, better than Viagra, you cannot take this drug not safe. It's a dangerous, hazardous drug. It was not approved properly. Well, if that is allowed to remain, we are setting a new precedent, which is going to be a really dangerous one because then you can have any judge in any state, red or blue, targeted By groups that want something changed, want a drug taken off the market. Maybe they're working for somebody that has a competing type of medicine, and they target a judge to get legislation passed to remove a competitor's product from the market. And if it happens in, oh, let's say New York State, or one of those liberal judges in California pass this, this law or, you know, make this ruling. It's going to affect the good people down in Texas or Mississippi or wherever. It's going to have to be a two-way street if they, if they succeed in preventing this medicine from being on the market. <laughs> I think that we've opened the door to a lot of abuse of this type in the future. And here's the thing. Do you think that the pharmaceutical industry is going to stand for this? No, they will not. And I can almost guarantee that. The pharma industry is one of the biggest, most profitable industries in the world right now. And they make a lot of money on these drugs. And they are not going to want politicians to start allowing this kind of stuff to stand. Let me just give you some figures. This is for 2022. The pharmaceutical health products industry spent $373,743,282 on lobbying members of Congress. In 2022, did you catch that? (laughs) This is according to OpenSecrets.org. For the year 2022, lobbyists spent $373,743,282 on members of Congress. Or I guess it's actually, this would be the amount of money that the industry is spending on lobbying. So that would include part of the that cut would go to the lobbyists themselves. Number of clients is 595. And the number of lobbyists is 1,840. And of that 1,840, do you know how many of them are former government employees? 64.35 percent over half of them are former government employees you've heard about that uh, that whole thing uh, about the revolving door you know that's a common practice where government employees whether you're a member of a congressperson's staff or you're a, some kind of a regulator or maybe even a former member of congress You leave and you take a job with a lobbying firm or with a private sector organization, think tank, one of those things that, uh, well, they used to oversee and do business with in the past when they worked for the government. How convenient is that? Yeah. And then there are some that go the other direction also uh, they go from the private sector to positions in government, and those are called reverse revolvers sometimes but do you think an industry that is spending three hundred and seventy three almost three hundred and seventy four million dollars a year is going to allow some little two bit <laughs> judge in Texas to <laughs> start messing up their Business plan? I don't think so. I don't think so at all. And we've already heard that there are some Republicans that are currently in Congress have kind of said, uh, "Well, you know, maybe the FDA should just ignore this. If it if it goes through, maybe the FDA should just ignore this." Do you think that that person in Congress is saying that? Out of love for the women who are their constituents, probably not. They're a Republican. Chances are they really don't care about their constituents. At least it doesn't seem to me like most of them care. Their limit of concern for their constituents is how much money can I get from them when I'm campaigning? Will they vote for me? And will they show up for my rallies if I'm if I'm running in a primary? That's about it. The rest of the time, <laughs> they don't answer your phone calls, or if they do, it's a staffer, and they act like they could care less. Sometimes they just let you take a me- le- just you know, just leave a message on their answering machine. You assume that somebody's listening to it at some point. Maybe you get a form letter in the mail. They're good with form letters where they just type in your name, and it gets... Sent to you, and they're very concerned, and they really appreciate your time to call them or write to them. But at this point, they'll have to take it under advisement, or they're not sure what they're going to do yet, or they just can completely disagree, whatever. They don't really care. They don't really care because money talks, and they're getting all of this money from the pharmaceutical industry. So if you look at the individuals who are spending money, the Pharmaceutical Research and Manufacturers of America, $29,226,000. Pfizer, $14,820,000. They can afford that, all those COVID-19 vaccines that the government bought. Biotechnology Innovation Organization, 13250000 Rosha Holdings ten million eight hundred and seventy one thousand. Uh Amgen Amgen uh, ten million one hundred forty thousand and on and on and on. You've and it's you know Merck and Company, AbbVie, Gilead Sciences, Johnson and Johnson, Eli Lilly, Bear AG, you know, the company that makes um <laughs> bug killer and aspirin. That's a good combination. Uh, (laughs) They specialize in both. Anyway, um, yeah, Abbott Labs. So there's a lot of money, and I I don't think that the politicians are going to allow this to to stand. I really don't. Because it's going to make their lobbyists unhappy because the industry is going to be unhappy. But, you know, if it does end up standing, could this be applied to other things? Like, uh, what about the gun laws? Could uh, the folks who are proponents for safer gun laws write some legislation based on uh, whatever they can possibly find, find a judge? somewhere that's sympathetic to their cause and file it with that judge? Do you think that uh, (laughs) the right-wingers, do you think that the uh, folks who uh, believe that everybody has a right to carry around whatever the heck they want to, whenever they want to, wherever they want to, do you think that they would be okay with that? Probably not. But, you know, you start opening the door to this stuff, and it doesn't stop there. And that's why all Americans need to be very concerned about what's going on in Congress right now, because right now they may be coming after women, which they certainly are. They're taking rights away from women, which... How often has our government taken rights away from people? Not very often. (laughs) But do you think they're going to stop? You know, they said, oh, this is uh, not a national ban on abortion when uh, Roe v. Wade was tossed in the trash by the Supreme Court. They said, this will be a state's issue now. We'll let the states deal with it. And now here they are, not even a year later, trying to make abortions illegal, coast to coast, in every state. Oh, there's going to be a state or two around where maybe if you find out that you're pregnant and it's only three or four weeks or whatever, maybe you can get an abortion. But you're going to be running to the doctor and running, doing, I guess, pregnancy tests every week to find out. And... The bottom line is this drug is a more convenient, a less expensive, uh, less uh, troublesome way for women to manage their health. And pregnancies can cause a lot of problems for some women. It's definitely a health concern, definitely is. But if you think they're gonna stop with that, they're not. The Republicans are now banning books. They are going after drag queens. They're going after peaceful protests are now apparently illegal in Florida, at least according to Governor DeSantis they are, and they have some opposing laws in some of these places, for instance. If you are driving and you see that there's a peaceful protest ahead and they're blocking the road and you pull up and you feel threatened by these protesters, they look at you, they start heading for your car and you live in a state where open carry is legal and some of them have guns and how in the heck do you know if they're a good guy or a bad guy but they're protesting, so they must be bad guys. So you know what you can do? Just step on the gas and run them down because it's legal in some states to do that. It's legal. (laughs) And, oops, at the same time, if you are participating in a peaceful protest in an open carry state and you have your gun with you, And you happen to be out in the street or trying to cross, but it's a big crowd and people are moving slow and all of that. And this car's approaching you and the guy driving the car or the gal driving the car is looking at you, you know, uh, got a frown on their face like they're not very happy. Maybe they've got a Make America Great Again hat on. And you hear them rev the engine and step on the gas and they start heading for you. You know what? It's legal for you to stand your ground at that point and shoot them. Pull your gun out and shoot them dead. And then a second later, they're going to ram you with their car and either kill you or put you in the hospital. If you're a good shot, they're already dead. They may take out a few others. Isn't that great? Isn't America great? That must be what they're talking about when they say make America great again. Make it legal to kill. (laughs) They're not going to stop with women. They're going to make women their second-rate citizens. They're going to make them uh, subservient to men. They're going to do what they can with the abortion stuff. And then you know what they're going to go after? Contraceptives. Because sex is dirty in their mind. You should not have sex unless you are married and you want children. That's it. Period. We don't want any single people having sex. So that's next. Contraceptives. They've already mentioned it. Same-sex marriage. That's already on the radar because, well, the Bible says it's a sin. Bible says a lot of things that uh, people would be horrified if somebody came out and said, oh, we want to make this a law because it's in the Bible. That's why separation of church and state. We need to stick with that. And when these people come at you saying they've got a religious objection to something or it's offending their religion, well, tell them, then don't do it. Don't do it. You know, if you have a bakery and a gay couple comes in and they want you to make them a cake or something, if you're open to the public, you ought to serve the public. If you don't want to do that, go find something else to do. Or just shut up and make them the dang cake. You're not endorsing it. You're in business. When you're in business, you have to do things you don't want to do sometimes. Big deal. But you can't force your religious beliefs on someone else. And that's exactly what's happening here. It's exactly what's happening. We are letting religion guide our governing laws. And when that happens, the country becomes a mess. Anyway, that's my two cents, probably not even worth two cents, probably more like maybe a half a cent. But They don't have a half a cent, so it's at least a penny. I do appreciate your time, as always. And I hope that you have a good afternoon and a good evening. Unless you have other plans... My next scheduled podcast may be on Thursday. I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get one get one finished in time to get it out and syndicate it or whatever the heck it is they do with them once you tell them to publish it. And uh, they're very slow to do mine. Some of them are. Some of them get it right away. Others, it seems like it takes them a while. Anyway, so... Don't be worried. Uh, Look for something on Thursday afternoon or Thursday evening, probably. But who knows? I may surprise you and pop one out. Before then, if you uh, subscribe, you will get notified as soon as uh, it's available. And I hope you take care and I hope that uh, nothing major happens that causes anybody to have to come up and Pop out with another podcast, you know. Uh, we've already had a shooting today at the bank in Louisville, Kentucky. Um, is one a day enough? Can we can we say okay, we're safe for the rest of the day? No, no, probably not. Unfortunately, probably not. So, barring anything hugely major. <laughs> I uh, probably will talk to you between between now and, and uh, Thursday. How's that? Thank you for listening. I would be grateful to you if you'd subscribe and share this podcast to let your friends and family know about it. You can also find me on Twitter at FederalAndy and I'd be really grateful if you would follow me. I usually follow back. Be happy safe and healthy and i'll hopefully be talking to you again next week